Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Tony Cassis. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message. Let's reach our hands forward. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this man of God. Lord, we thank you for his faithfulness to share your word with us. Lord, he seeks you. Lord, he meditates upon your word. And Lord, you write it on his heart so that he can write it on ours. Now touch him, Lord. Let your words now be his words. Let it, Lord, find, Lord, good root in our heart and produce the fruit that you've called it to bear. We thank you for this man, Lord. We thank you for his faithfulness. And we just thank you for his, his personality and who he is because that's what makes it fun to listen to the word. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate that. Wow. Um, thank every, thanking everyone who's been praying for Christy and the family. We really do feel those prayers. And they're essential in making sure the grace of God uh, is made available to our daughter. We thank you very much. You know, God can't move on the earth unless someone stands in the gap. God doesn't just intervene whenever He wants. He actually waits for an invitation. Hallelujah. The only time God intervenes when He's not invited is when judgment comes. That's why Jesus says, uh, you don't know the day or the hour when the Lord will come. Okay? But um, until that day... Grace is being made available to all men everywhere, all people everywhere. And if you, uh, if you tune in to the morning service uh, recording from this morning, I gave a very, uh, very sort of detailed testimony about a young woman I ministered to on Friday as I was working, a young Muslim woman. And the Holy Spirit really challenged me on any mindsets I may have in limiting him to cross racial, religious, uh, even cultural boundaries when it comes to preaching the gospel. Because God loves everyone. Yeah? He loves Afghanistanis. He loves Palestinians, Jews, Lebanese, Australian, American, plus plus. (laughs) Puerto Rican, all walks, all talks, all shades, because we all come from one blood. Hallelujah. The thing about preaching the gospel is, and I talk about this not in a legalistic sense, God's grace often is poured out when we're not deserving it, when we're not even inviting it, when you got saved, possibly you weren't even looking to be saved. I know I wasn't. But God searched my heart and saw an emptiness there that He knew that He alone could fill. And given the right opportunity and the right circumstance, He sent someone along to drop a seed and challenge. You know that God's Word always blesses, but always challenges as well. Jesus challenged the people that He was was preaching to, and often their effect, 
prevented him from moving mightily in their midst. They got offended that he would expose their hard-heartedness and their sin. So let's go now to uh, Luke chapter uh, 4, please. And we're going to see um, some of the responses that uh, Jesus had to face and overcome. And then we're going to discuss how we can invoke the supernatural in our good news gospel. Amen? Amen. One thing I notice about Jesus and the apostles, especially with the apostolic band after Pentecost, the supernatural was always included in their gospel preaching. And Satan has over the millennia taken the supernatural out of the church. So now we're trying to rationalise healing, rationalise deliverance, rationalise salvation. And that's because of the Greek culture that seeped back in again, right? Where knowledge becomes God, where understanding uh, sets the limits. So here, um, just to give you some context, Jesus has been fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He's been tempted of Satan. Satan doesn't win, he loses. And then the Lord Jesus returns from the wilderness and this challenge in victory. And the Scripture says, filled with the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit, He returns to the region of Galilee and He begins to preach the Gospel, beginning with the word, repent. <laughs> I hope we're hearing that on the um, tele-evangelist programs. Whenever, when do you ever hear the word repent? <laughs> Just one word. That's, that's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent. In other words, change the way you're heading and the way you're thinking. But he soon thereafter visits his hometown of Nazareth. And this is where things get a little ugly for the first time for the Lord Jesus. And many times in our experiences with familiarity in our lives. Usually the people you've grown up with, the people you've worked with, the people you've gone to school with, they're going to be the people who will least receive you as an instrument of God. And some of us can be born in Christian households and still experience the same. You know, you're my, you're my son, you're my daughter, what do you know? Well, you don't know unless you let the Holy Spirit at least give them a chance, yeah? So Jesus goes to Nazareth, verse 16, says he, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, hello, and his, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind and also to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim 
the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, Isaiah was basically saying God was receiving people, all kinds of people unto himself. God was receiving broken-hearted people. He was setting free demonised people. He was healing physically infirmed people. He was delivering the mentally insane. Yeah? Doesn't matter what the cage is or what the restriction was, Jesus had come to break those chains. And most of us have experienced the chain breaker, yeah? Some of the things that we grew up in chains with, Jesus comes along and He breaks those chains, whether it's fear or anxiety or all these other kinds of bondages. But He ends by saying He was proclaiming the acceptable year of, God, of, of the Lord. Isaiah actually prophesies one more sentence, but Jesus deliberately leaves it out. And the day of judgment of our God. So Jesus deliberately leaves that part out. Because when Jesus comes into your life, He told the disciples, I haven't come to condemn the world, I've come to save the world. Right? So Jesus leaves that out. That wasn't part of His message. His message was, the Lord wants to forgive. The Lord wants to restore. The Lord wants to heal. Believe on the Lord. Can you say that? Believe on the Lord. If you believe, you will receive. If you believe, you'll be saved. If you believe, you'll be healed. You'll be delivered. If you believe, you will change. Because your change requires faith just like everything else. Look what he does. He closes the book. He gives it to the attendant and he sits down. Everybody's watching him. We look at Tim now. Everybody's watching you, Tim. All of the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. A few heads start scratching. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which, he, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, here it comes, isn't this Joseph's son? Now, that was the first mistake they made. Joseph had been dead possibly 15 years at this stage. But that's who they knew him to be. He grew up in Nazareth as a carpenter's son. And Joseph was his stepfather, no doubt. But they referred to his human connection and they were denying His deny, divine connection. Do you see? Because Jesus starts to discern, right? Why, why are you referring to me as Joseph's son? He said to them, verse 23, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Verse 24, then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, verse 25, 
Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city. And, that, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. What a turnaround of a great preaching segment, yeah? He preaches and they go, wow, wow. Hang on, isn't that the guy from next door? Isn't that the carpenter's son? And their wows went to woes because of familiarity. And I just want to lay this out to us. Sometimes when we get too chummy with each other, the, the Holy Spirit really gets cut off in ministering to each other. So tonight, and all of you who are watching online, I want to encourage you with this. Tonight, we're not going home until we allow our chums to minister to us. We're going to humble ourselves and let that person sitting next to you on your left or on your right or in front or in back be an instrument of grace to us, yeah? Because when we get too chummy with, with our surroundings, and it doesn't just apply here, this can, be, this can be at work, at home, at school, right? But let's say we're here at church like Jesus was at church. He was at the synagogue and everybody knew Him and they were too chummy with Him and they rejected the anointing that was on Him. But I want to say this. Why did Jesus mention the widow at Zarephath? He says there were many widows in Israel. Think about Israel at the time of Elijah. There must have been at least between five and six million Israelites at that time. Remember, it was a nation thriving. And even though Ahab and Jezebel did their little bit, right? God was faithful. They had grown to, this is just the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom of Judah, we, we, we are talking about five to six million Israelites. How many widows would have been in a nation of five to six million? Hundreds, possibly thousands of widows. And out of those thousands, why did God send Elijah to a Lebanese woman who wasn't even Jewish? See what Jesus is saying? This is why they got so... He was saying God couldn't find faith except outside the camp. Because everybody had got familiar with each other. Elijah was not an accepted prophet. Do you get it? Because he grew up amongst the boys, so to speak. No one received him. He was probably weird. 
So God in His wisdom, he, he couldn't find even a widow who would believe in the God of Israel. But God did find a widow, but she wasn't from Israeli stock. She was from Sidon, Zarephath. How many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha? Now guys, these two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, are possibly the most powerful as far as displaying the power of God, as far as displaying God's intervention when you don't deserve it. Second to Jesus for miracles is Elisha. Get this, right? Elisha did exactly double what Elijah did. When he asked for a double portion, God honoured that. And that's why... You know, people talk about the grave anointing. That's a load of baloney, right? When Elisha's bones raised up that dead man, well, you know, when they, when they were trying to bury this guy and they were attacked by raiders and they accidentally dropped the corpse on Elisha's bones. Well, Elisha was one miracle short of exactly doubling the miracles that Elijah did. So God honoured Elisha by raising this guy from the dead as soon as his body touched Elisha's bones. So some very wise people out there in, in the Christian world thought, oh, there's a residual anointing after you die. There is not. But that's for another time, okay? <laughs> Listen to me. I've testified about this before. I, I was in the place where they buried Jesus. If anything has a residual anointing, it's that place. And I'm there going, okay, God, I'm waiting for the residual. And the Lord says to me, what are you doing here? You're looking for the living amongst the dead. Isn't that what He said to Mary Magdalene? I am, I am not here in the place. I'm already in you. That's all you need. So Jesus says, Naaman the Syrian, again, he's not Israeli. He's not an Israelite. And he only heard a report. This is the big key. He heard a report by a little slave girl, a Jewish slave girl who his wife had bought and she was serving him and his wife in their house. And she came up to him one day and said, Master Naaman, you know, there's a prophet in Israel. His name is Elisha. God answers his prayers. I guarantee you, if you go to him, you'll get healed of your leprosy. Well, Naaman's the commander of the Syrian army. That's a big deal. So he tells the king of Syria, can you write a letter to the king of Israel and tell him, I want to meet with Elisha the prophet. So he does. The king of uh, Syria writes a letter to, you know, I think it was King Jotham at the time. And Jotham rips his clothes. He says, my God, to heal people. When Elisha hears of it, he says, send him to me. Send him to me. So Naaman gets on his donkey with all of his company and he's got loads and loads of money to give to Elisha because he wants to, you know, pay his way, so to speak. But when he gets to the door, Elisha sends his servant out. He doesn't even say hello to Naaman. He insults him. This is the commander in chief of the Syrian forces. And Elisha says he's serving out and he goes, tell the guy, go wash in the Jordan seven times. She'll be sweet. 
That's Aussie speak for she'll be right, mate. That's Aussie speak. Well, you know the story. Now, why did God send Naaman to Elisha? There must have been thousands of lepers in Israel. There were thousands. Again, Naaman had an ability to believe in the grace of God. How do I know? As soon as the young servant girl said, Master Naaman, there's a prophet in Israel. He can heal you. He heard the report and he believed. He heard the report and he believed. Give you a few examples. The woman that had the issue of blood. She had heard the report of Jesus being able to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And when she heard the report, she got hope to the point where she began to tell herself, I've got to get close enough to just touch the hem of his garment and I know I will be healed. There are times when the Lord can overtake a person's lack of faith. Right? But most of the time, He responds much quicker, even if there's just a mustard seed. Just showing up to a a prayer meeting could be enough to show the Lord that you believe. Just obeying one small step of obedience can show the Lord that you believe. But don't let that familiarity, remember the word familiarity comes from the word familiarity. And there's nothing wrong with family except when you get familiar with people, you start to take, what's the word, advantage of the fact that you know them one way. You know them a certain way. And if you try and make that the only way, God can't use you or them to minister to each other. Isn't that what happened with Jesus' brothers? Hey, my, my brother thinks he's the son of God. He's a little bit... Says it in Mark, Mark's Gospel. They wanted to grab him. It says people from his own country came. They wanted to grab him because he was beside himself. That means cuckoo. What was it? familiarity and it kills faith kills faith and we can become familiar with all the members in our church but especially those who have prophetic or apostolic or teaching mantles hello And so God's preferred instrument may not be able to bring the grace to you because you just think they're on your level. You're like Miriam. You said, well, God doesn't only speak to Moses. He speaks to me too. Well, was she in for a shock? 
Because the way the Lord spoke to Moses is a completely different way to what He speaks to you. And you can't, like Naaman, pick the instrument or the avenue of the grace of God. And so we want as a church, collectively, both our churches and hopefully to flow over into those that we fellowship on the outside with, we want to include the supernatural in our gospel. I'm sure your testimonies as far as the way the Lord saved and healed and delivered you include the supernatural. The gospel is not a matter of wisdom of, of, of the world. Paul says, my preaching was not with the wisdom of men, but with the power of God. The power of God. And one thing that America needs is not military power. It's definitely not intellectual power. Doesn't need financial power or even, um, what's the word? Intellectual property power. The power it needs is the power of God. The power to change. The power to heal. The power to deliver. The power to make axe head float on water. The power to walk on water. The power to shut up the heavens or to make it rain. Satan's touching all these areas, by the way. The power to heal cancer, AIDS, diabetes, power. Pastors be talking about power and presence. And so important. The presence will be synonymous with the power. But why did Jesus use these two examples? Because he was saying that familiarity that was in the house of Israel stopped God from using people that He anointed from ministering to the nation. Wow. Think about it. Elisha. He couldn't send Elisha to another leper in Israel because those lepers had dropped their faith. Yeah? He couldn't send Elijah to any other widow in Israel because they stopped believing in the God of Israel. And that upset the synagogue ruler and his friends because he called them out. He said, what God saw in Israel hundreds of years ago, he's seeing now by the way you're responding to me, his son. Hardness of heart. You get it? So I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to stretch us, but also to soften us. Do you know your heart needs to soften before it can stretch? And that can only happen when you allow people to get in. You've got to allow people to get in. And I say that with a sort of, I won't say godly hesitancy, there's always risk involved when vulnerability is part of growing. When you let people in, they can hurt you. Yes, they can. They can let you down. 
Yes, they can. They can betray you. Yes, they can. But you can do the same. You can do the same. You've betrayed. You've, you've let down. Yeah? You've hurt people. And so when does the cycle stop? It starts with me. It starts with you. Don't wait for them to start. It'll never happen. Let it start with you. But the supernatural, Jesus pinpoints these two examples because He was telling them, you don't allow the Holy Spirit to use me in your life. And God, God's packages are usually the ones that we reject. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief stone. But how many times have we rejected a cornerstone? Because it was packaged wrong. Packaged wrong. Yeah? And from what I understand, the Lord doesn't like to package things with nice frills and shininess. The devil does. Pastor, can I say one thing that... Come on up if you want. No, no, I just want to add in my, funny enough, in my counselling, we talked about familiarity this week. You get familiar with someone when you stop looking for Jesus in them and you start looking for weakness. Oh, my God. Ooh. Wow. That's deep. Well, we'll just let that... There it is. Land. It's true. So we want to change this custom, Yeah. We want to allow whoever God chooses. So last Sunday after I, I was sharing in the morning service about, you know, the message and so forth, I was praying about, you know, faith and so forth as I normally do. The Lord said to me, you line up and you get prayer first for what you just preached about. So don't you think that because you're preaching it, you're not in need of it. Because I don't want to ever think that none of you could minister to me. Of course you can. Of course you can. You know, God uses asses, He'll use you, right? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'll repeat. If God uses asses, He can use me. Right? But there's, no, there's nothing like that here. But humility is the first step of receiving big things from God. It really is. You know, when, 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 I, when I first came to America, the Lord was really humbling me. You know, Paul says, when you think you're someone, when you're no one, you're deceived. Pretty much so. And I remember the Lord saying to me many times, when, when, when I walk into the room, the Lord said, I'm looking for the lowest person in the room. I'm looking for the humblest person in the room. He doesn't look for people promoting themselves or confident in themselves. That really hit me. When I walk into a room, do I want to be the highest or the lowest? If I want to connect with God, I stay humble. And His grace is more expedient 
when there's humility. Remember the man beating his chest in the, in the temple? He said, Lord, forgive me a sinner. I'm undeserving. And next to him was a Pharisee. And on the side of his eye, he's looking, thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like this guy. Full of judgment. Thinking he was better than this guy. And the Lord said, this humble guy went home justified before God. I'm saying this because Pastor and I want an avenue for even bigger portions of grace to come. Does God have to bring an outside speaker to reintroduce us to the supernatural? Because that's what he's saying. Does God have to use an outside source to reintroduce supernatural deliverance or healing or miracles? The Lord was in the temple and He said something really strange. A greater than the temple is here. Whew, how could they handle that? This young man from Nazareth is saying, someone greater than the temple is here. He said, a greater than Solomon is here. Many came from the south. The Queen of the South came up to Solomon to hear his wisdom, he said. And he, then he's looked, he looked at him, he said, a greater than Solomon is here. But what familiarity stops you from seeing it? Woo. Thing I love about Abraham, he knew when God was in the room. Remember when the three visitors came? He knew who they were, straight up. And Abraham is the father of family, yeah? So let's pray. Let's pray that God doesn't have to use the outside to reintroduce us to something that He would rather prefer our ministry to bubble over with, yeah? Don't let Him look at talk, Sydney or New York, and think, I can't bring supernatural healing because everybody's too familiar with people. I can't bring a supernatural deliverance because everybody's too chummy with each other. No one believes God can use their neighbour this way anymore. But He can. <laughs> he can. Can you repent with me? Can you? Will you please repent with me and say, Father, please forgive us for limiting your grace being used through my brother or sister, through my mother or father, through my pastor or leader, through my roommate or workmate. Father, you choose the instrument of your grace. By your grace, I will receive. Amen. We just want to sign off to those who are online. Maybe you have written off the healer or the deliverer or even the evangelist in your life because it's coming from someone that's close to you. Maybe a family member is preaching the Gospel. Maybe a friend at work, but you're just familiar with them. So...
You think, no, this can't be God. Who does that person think they are? Well, Jesus is reaching out to you right now. It's Jesus you're rejecting. Don't do it anymore. Receive Jesus and you receive eternal life. It can't be said any simpler. That's God's provision for us. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son does not have life. Just pray a very simple prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I ask You to forgive me of all my sins and wash me clean with Your blood. Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. I believe You died for me and that You rose to give me life. Thank You, Lord, for forgiving me. I am saved. In Jesus' Name, Amen. That's the beginning of a very blessed walk with Jesus. Contact us. The next step is just as vital. We want to get a Bible in your hands. We want to get you in a community of faith so that you'll grow and you'll be good soil for Jesus. So we're going to sign off and we thank you for joining us. God bless you all. We'll see you some, sometime soon. Amen. If this is your first time accepting Jesus, we would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show His goodness and love, and our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torque.org contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life. Thanks for listening to the Talk Message of the Week. We hope you were encouraged by this and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you have been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or your Talk app. Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out talktv.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, please visit talk.org forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for your every step to be aligned with Him and His Spirit this week. Until we see you next time, God bless.